Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here at First Christian Church. Guests, my name is Wayne. I'm part of the pastoral team here, and we're very glad you're with us today. We're going to look at some things in Scripture today. We're going to look at Psalm 103, which is pretty well right in the middle of the book, okay? If you don't have a Bible with you or you don't perhaps read on your smartphone, you'll notice there's one in the pew rack in front of you. And I'd invite you to take that. It's on, you can see the page number on the screen behind me. We'd be very glad if you would um, look there, because we're going to really spend some time there today. As a matter of fact, if you don't own a Bible, we'd be glad if you'd take that home as our gift to you. I, w- I want to start our, our time together today with a little trivia quiz. In light of the uh, ladies having an event coming up, I thought those of us who won't be able to attend that or not invited to that, huh, what's with that? But nonetheless, um, I thought we'd start a little trivia. And so there's going to be two parts to each question or each um, phrase or word that you're going to see. There's a story behind everything you're going to see. And I want you to know if you know, first of all, is it biblical or non-biblical? That's what I'm going to tell you. And then secondly, do you know what the story is? So we'll try it. We'll start one. I'll tell you the first one is biblical. So you kind of get the sense. So here's, here's the language. Walking on dry ground in the Red Sea, I would normally say, is that biblical or non-biblical? You'd say it is biblical, right? And do you know the story behind that? Some do. What, what's it about? Moses, right. All right. So here we go. Number two. Blinded by the light. Biblical, right. A Bruce Springsteen song. Some of you don't think it's a... (laughs) Right? Now, when he recorded it, it didn't become popular until it was recorded by another artist. But he's the guy who wrote it. Okay? Blinded by... Oh, go get one. Okay, so is that biblical or non-biblical? It is biblical, and it's about Saul who became Paul, right? Here's one that may be a little more tricky. A grassy knoll. Biblical or non-biblical? Hello? Non-biblical because it's about what? Where, where Kennedy was killed, right? President Kennedy. Seven times around. Biblical, it's about? Jericho, right? One small step for mankind. Non-biblical, it's about? Neil Armstrong, right? First man to walk on the moon. Murdered the only brother. Or it could actually be non-biblical as well, but it's actually, (laughs) in this reference, it's biblical because it's about Cain murdered Abel. And in that case, he was the only brother. There were only the two brothers alive at the time, right? This one may be a little more tricky. Lying on a bed, drunk and naked. TMZ, right? Well, who is biblical, right? It's about Noah. All right. This one. Houston, we have a problem here. <laughs> biblical or non-biblical? And actually, can I tell you the language? When, when you watch Apollo 13 movie, the, the language is Houston, we have a problem. That's not the actual verbiage of what the astronauts said. The actual language was Houston, Houston we've had a problem here. They switched it up for the movie, okay? Five stones. Biblical, it's about David and Goliath. One more. Caitlin. (laughs) Biblical or non-biblical character? Non-biblical, it's about Bruce Jenner, right. 
or Caitlyn Jenner, however you want to, whatever, okay. So my point in bringing those to you is to say that each of those phrases or words, there's stories behind each of them, isn't there? And um, what we're going to do uh, starting today and in the weeks ahead, we're going to invite you to listen to stories from people within our community who um, in the days ahead, when you see them, you go, oh, I remember her story. I remember his story. And what we want you to see is that people have the opportunity to turn pages in the, li- in the story of their lives. And so each week throughout, throughout the next four to five weeks, we're going to bring you some people to the stage. And we're going to say, uh, we want you to meet so-and-so who you may have met before. Perhaps you haven't. And we'll go from there. Today, I want to start with a friend of mine. Her name is Megan Rhodes. And she has a story that quite frankly, is probably familiar to many in the room, though usually most people who have this story dare not tell it. They're afraid to tell it. But Megan has chosen to make her story known in other settings in order to help those who dare not tell their version of her story. It's a story about a woman, but it's a story for both men that impacts both men and women. So would you welcome Megan Rhodes to the stage today, please? Hey, Megan. It's good to have you. Good morning. So, uh, Megan has a website called goaskmegs.com. And I'll just tell you, if you go there this afternoon, goaskmegs.com, you will, as the page opens up, you'll see this language. At 25 years old, I found myself in a place I never imagined. I was divorced, living back home with my parents and raising my two-year-old daughter. I was depressed and using alcohol and men, and this is her language, to medicate myself. I was living pretty recklessly. That's the beginning of the story we're going to tell you today. So when was this, first of all? 2005. And when you say living recklessly, what's that about? Partying, drinking, men, being crazy, not being a good mother, not being a good woman or a good citizen. That's it, straight up. Yeah, pretty much. And, and so what happened as a result of that? A uh, result of that would it be an unplanned pregnancy by a total stranger, and that ended with an abortion about a week later after I found out I was pregnant. Explain what that's like when you wake up one day and you go, I'm having a baby totally unplanned. And I was terrified, um, mostly because I had already disappointed my family in every capacity that I could have or I thought I had. Um, and so the thought of going home and looking them in the eye and saying, another baby's coming, I'm going to need your help, They're, I don't know who the father is, it's, I'm a mess, was too much, and it was embarrassing, and it was scary, and so um, I thought I was making the right decision, and I thought I was fixing a problem, and the truth of the matter is I just made one issue in my life blow up into a much, much larger issue. What happened after the abortion? I mean, so you have an abortion, do you go back to work the next day? Do you take some time off or what's that I did, I went back to work the next day because I just wanted to pretend like I didn't do it. And so I wanted to pretend like it didn't happen and I wasn't gonna tell anybody and I was just gonna live in denial and stuff it down as far as I could so that I could function because allowing that to come back up and actually dealing with those emotions of what I had done was too big and too much and I didn't think I could even handle it. So I went back to work and I went back to life and I continued to 
spiral downward after that, avoiding the feelings that I needed to feel. So the reason that we felt like you need to hear Megan's story today is that um, in a congregation this size, her story is not the only one like this in the room. I'm quite aware of that. Though for most, it's an unspoken story. And for women in the room who face this, we, I can't say that I understand, I'm not a woman. But for the men in the room who say, hey, this happened in my relationship, and uh, we want you to hear that there's, there's something on the other side of your story. There's another page that can turn. We want you to hear that um, the difficulty of this story is not the end of the story. So tell us, um, what was it like in, in the months and years following? About a year after my abortion was my rock bottom, um, and that's when my relationship with Christ began. Um, he led me to New Life Pregnancy Center, and they walked me through my healing process. They have a Bible study there that I went through, um, and that's really where the exciting part of the journey began because I, God got in here and really dealt with me about forgiveness and anger and denial. And he came alongside me and ministered to me while I worked on forgiving the people involved and worked on forgiving myself. His forgiveness was already there. I just had to ask for it. It was the forgiving myself that was the biggest obstacle. That sounds like a word we would use called shame. Yes. Any regrets? A lot of regrets. Um, the shame is overwhelming. Um, you, you work every day to pretend like you're somebody else so people don't really know who you are. If they really knew who you are and, and what you had done, what would they say? What would they do? How would they treat you? So you, you put on a mask and you pretend like you're something else to avoid dealing with those relationships. Um, the regret is there. It's, I regret what I've done. I've lost. It's such a huge, huge loss. God it's, still, just it's still very tender. Yeah, he just recently, God just recently showed me that it wasn't just my child. It was his or her spouse. It was grandchildren. It was great-grandchildren. It was an entire limb of my family tree that is gone and that I can't, I can't get back. Scripture talks about mourning or grief, mourning turning to dancing. Are you, how far along that continuum are you? I'm mourning. I, I think I'll always mourn to an extent. I mean, that's, it's my child. Um, would have been 10 years old. Family pictures. You know, there's, there's somebody missing. There's, some, there's a child missing from my life. And so that's, that's hard. But then there's what God has done with that. And so the dancing comes when I know that he died on the cross for me and that my sin is not bigger than him, he's bigger than my sin. So that's dancing, and dancing is. Um... Yeah, let's, let's thank the Lord for that. <laughs> dancing is knowing I'm gonna be reconciled with my child again, my child's in heaven. I want you to hear that if you have my story. We're, we're gonna be reconciled one day with that child, and that's gonna be precious. And I'm, I can't wait for that. And the dancing comes when um, I get to come alongside other women who've walked my walk and, and show them what God did for me, he can do for you. And he can set you free from the guilt and the shame. So there's a lot of dancing. Can you guys thank Megan for her willingness to talk to us today?
If you would like to know more of Megan's story, if you'd like to have some interaction with her and you'd say, I don't want anybody to know about this, fair enough, uh, there is a way in which you can do that. You can go to her website, goaskmegs.com, and you can see it there, or you can ca catch her after the service today, and we can let you um, have some time with her by all means. And we'll come back to her story yet as we look at Scripture today, because here's what we're going to do. We're going to hear her story and then see what the Scriptures say about moments like that. Uh, here's, here's why we're doing this. You may recall that in July of last year, I sent, spent a number of weeks away from the office um, thinking and praying about sermons and sermon series for 2016. July of, of 2015 was 30 years of pastoral ministry. I crossed that mark. And I wanted to kind of say, okay, if I've got a few weeks to really focus, what have, what have I learned in 30 years and what, what needs to be brought to this congregation in 2016? I began to recall all the various people that had come across my path and the way in which they had impact, impacted that ministry setting because each person I meet, each person you meet, all of those people have stories. You and I have stories. And in fact, when it comes down to the basics of ministry or even down to the basics of life, what are we doing? We are trying to build a story one chapter after another so that it goes somewhere. No one wants to come to the, to the end of their lives and to have a funeral where the preacher gets up and says, well, so-and-so has died, but there's nothing to say because they don't have a story. And who wants that? You are working and building and writing your story. One, I mean, to be honest, put it this way. To be human is, in fact, to tell a story, to write a life story one person at a time. That's what it means to be human. And theology, the study of religion, is a study of story. That's certainly the case when it comes to Scripture. Scripture is a big story. It's the story of God's interaction with humanity and the cosmos. And the story begins quite simply in Genesis 1-1, where we read, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that's different than a story that begins once upon a time. Once upon a time, if, you, if, you, if you've got a story that begins once upon a time, you're assuming that time has come along, and then once upon a time, the princess died, or whatever the case may be. But there is, there is something backing up on the other side of the once upon a time. But in the book of Genesis, it goes, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the beginning of what theologians call the meta story, the big story, the big narrative of Scripture. And this is what it is, that humanity's existence, for the most part, for the most portion of that timeline, began with this very short, comparatively, this very short idyllic time in the Garden of Eden, and then sin and chaos entered the world, entered their lives. And from that point on, the story goes like this, but it's an increasing story of, it's a story, pardon me, it's a story of increasing chaos, increasing struggle, and to the point where God comes along in the midst of that and says, I'm going to care for people. I will redeem their lives. This mess that they're in and the ups and downs is going to come to an end. Their errors, their sins, their stories are going to interact with me and with that point, at that point, he sent a redeemer. That redeemer's name is Jesus Christ. And the story then, once Christ comes, kind of begins to tail off in many ways, waiting for the time when back when Adam and Eve in the garden were with God, then at the end of the story, the followers of Jesus Christ end up with God again. So you've got the beginning and the end are quite similar. In other words, there's an arc to the story. With God, with God, Chaos, disorder, resolution, 
and that we're all back with God. Revelation describes how the story ends. In Revelation chapter 4, we read this. They, this is referring to the leaders of humanity who are, if you will, acting on behalf of all humanity, giving an example. They fall before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And this is what they do. Will you read it out loud with me? They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. There's the good, no, there's the good news, folks, that apparently your story and my story as it interacts with God, it includes this business that God is going to be engaged in our lives and we're going to end up with him. It's the big story. Read with me then in Psalm 103 how it plays out, all right? Psalm 103, beginning in verse 2, it says, Praise the Lord my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are the benefits? Okay, you have a pay package coming your way. What are the, what's in the pay package? Praise the Lord on my soul and forget not all his benefits. Here they are. The one who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Good news, friends. Your story, where it interacts with God, includes the forgiveness of your sins, the healing of your diseases. Because who are we kidding? It says that there were places redeems my life from the pit. We have to acknowledge there are points when all of us get down in a pit, down in an ugly, ugly place, place a pit of mess. Just, it's just messy down there. Maybe some people in the room, you know what it's like to live in a pit of disaster or a pit of tragedy, a pit of self-pity. You've got down in a pit of arrogance, a pit of muck, a pit of ugliness, a pit of pride and full of self-deceits. For some, they get involved in a pit of self-medication, like what you heard Megan write about. For others, it's a pit of anger, or a pit of malice, a pit of naivety, a pit of unrighteousness, or maybe just a pit of where your sin is, takes on a, a pit of sinful idiosyncrasies, a pit of self-deception, a pit of morality run afoul, a pit of ungodly desire. You could put it this way. In the long run, how do you describe it all? You end up down there in a pit of evil sin and chaos. But you know what Scripture tells us? God redeems that. There is a place, there is a new chapter, a new page where all is healed and all is forgiven and redeemed. And look at what happens. As God redeems your life from the pit, begin with verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. And just to point that out, the psalmist alludes to a story. He made known his way to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. So if you want to know how God does this, know that story, he says. And then he goes on. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He won't always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Here, what scripture tells us, friends. 
God cares and loves his people. Verse 6 tells us what, how he does it. He works for righteousness and justice in people's lives. Verse 8 declares that he is compassionate. And then he goes on to say, and we don't get treated like what we deserve. Instead, our sins are taken away from us. Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I like the fact that the psalmist is doing two axes. Because think about what he's telling us to be mindful of. The love of God, he says. The love of God, the love of God is higher than the heavens. Well, how high is that? How high are the heavens? Because if I can figure out how high the heavens are, then I know that God's love goes beyond that. But truth be told, can you figure out how high the heavens are above the earth? I mean, let's say if you travel from the earth and you go up from the earth 23,000 light years to the 92nd power. That's a long way away. Are you with me? That's a long, long way away. But when you get to there, it's what is there, a brick wall built there and there's nothing on the other side? No, we know that the heavens go beyond that, Right? And the scriptures say, God's love is so great for us, it goes beyond the 23,000 light years to the 92nd power. If you want to know how big God's love is, just look at the skies and you go, wherever I can see, God's love goes beyond that. So you've got the, the psalmist talking about this axis going vertically if, to give you an illustration of how tall and how big God's love is. And then he flips the axis and says, oh, by the way, when it comes to your sins, for as, like, Here's, here, as an example of God's love, how God, high God's love is, as an example of that, then, for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is God's love for us, and as far as the east is from the west. In other words, does, does the east ever meet the west? Not really ever, right? To that same degree, God's love and God's forgiveness is is pushing your sin far away from you. In other words, your shortcomings, your bad moments, your pits moments, the, the life is truly sucking air moments, you've had those, right? The sin moments, they are all pushed away from you. God has taken your story and the bad stuff and said, I will not look on that sin through the work of Jesus Christ. It is forgiven. Let me see if I can explain this a little more concretely for you. I mentioned that the stories of 30 years of ministry and the lives of 30 years of ministry were really the catalyst to this sermon series that we've stepped into today. And uh, I brought this idea to our creative teams and said, what's that going to look like? You know, what does that look like graphically? Can you guys come up with something? And, and uh, Crystal did. And then can you come up with something that we could use to help people begin to plan for it. So they come with the idea of the blackboards in the lobby the last few weeks, and you've been writing on those blackboards, believe it or not, in preparation for today, and you've already seen some video from that. Well, that whole understanding of that video uh, came from really some fodder that we found out of New York. The creative teams found this, and um, we want, I want you to see a snippet of that video that came from New York that we've kind of adapted for our work here. But, but I need to say this about the blackboards. Before we get to the video, just a, just a brief comment. I want to thank you for the way in which all of you wrote on those blackboards. And, you know, some wrote under the lines God provided or some wrote under the, under the heading God is. And then some of you wrote under the line, under the line said God healed. And there were some really cool stories there. And apparently... 
Apparently, there was someone who looked at a hundred years of history and said, God healed. Did you see that out there? Because I'm going, whoa, God healed something that's been a hundred years of mess up. Take a look at the screen at what God's healed. Now, I got to tell you, I got to tell you as a cards friends, friends, if you want evidence of a miracle working God, there it is right there. No, I do want to thank you for writing on those blackboards and whoever wrote that, I trust it's a great year for you. Cubs, C-U-B-U-S, comes undone by September, but I won't say that out loud. Oh, painful, painful. So anyway, there was a video that came out of New York that um, helped provide us with some ideas for those blackboards. I want you to catch just a snippet of it right now. Watch the screens. So that um, film was put together by A-plus films and digital media. And I wanted you to see it, because while it helped frame our present sermon series, there's a difference between what came from New York versus what you wrote on those boards out there. Notice the difference? That was all about regrets, whereas what you wrote on the boards and what Psalm 103 is all about, it's not about regrets. It's about redemption. It's about mourning turning into dancing. But before you get to the dancing, there are some times when you have to mourn, right? So let me ask you this. What is the regret that you might have from your time in the pit? What relationship issue, what event or setting got damaged? What got stolen from you? Could we even say, use this language carefully? What got aborted from you, taken from you in a violent way, maybe just last week or maybe it was years ago? What sin is framing your story. You'll notice in today's program, there's a piece of paper that looks like this, and if there's not there, then grab, I want you to grab this or something out of the pew rack in front of you that's a piece of paper, okay? The back of the program, 
one of the white pieces of paper in the pew rack in front of you, something or other, okay? For those who don't have this, it's got the storyline um, logo, if you will, and it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And I'm going to give you a moment to write down um, what's the one regret or a number of regrets that you might have. And we're going to see, how, how, before the day is through, I want to show you how this is all redeemed. And I want to tell you, no one's going to read this. You're not going to be asked to, you know, put it somewhere so elders will pray over it or anything like that. No, instead, just what's the most pressing matter? And I would suspect that for most of us, myself included, it doesn't take long to quickly come up with, oh man. And I want you to write that down and um, we'll, we'll give you about 30 seconds to do it very quickly. And I'll be right back at you with what we're going to do with this this morning. I know some of us wonder, you know, has God forgiven that matter? Is that pit something you ever get to climb out of? Is it something that's going to frame your life for the rest of of your life? No, it's not. Because here's what I want you to see. We're going to ask, BJ's going to help me here, and we're going to get just a few, okay? Again, I'm not going to read these. No one's going to see these, okay? And I want just to get four or five of them, if I can, who'll be willing to put them in in that envelope. And I want you to see what, how I think God works with you in this matter, okay? All right, PJ, you set? All right, give me that. I'm gonna seal it, okay? You got, can you come help me and seal it a little more effectively than just this seal right here? Okay, so we're gonna seal this. Okay, all right. I was planning to write on that, you know. All right, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me give me some space to write on. All right. Thank you, I think. Thank you, I think. Stick to pastoring, not boxing. Don't box packages. Okay, so if, if you, you, we, could, we could take this stuff right here, and, and, and I could write, I'll write on this, do not open... And then a big ever. And you say, okay, God's removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. I put them in an envelope and I've sealed it. And there's a big sign that says, do not open ever. But some of you are thinking, yeah, but here's the reality. If Wayne really wanted to see that stuff, he could take a pair of scissors and he could get to it somehow or other, right? Right? I could. Except we have this in our office. We call it Chewbacca. Because it chews up things. Those sins are gone and shredded. They're far, far removed from ever being in that envelope again and ever being able to be read again. Friends, the love of God, as high as the heavens are, higher than that. For as far as the love of God, for as the love of God is higher than the heavens, so in the same way. God has removed your sins from you as far as the east is from the west. It's not like they're written on a piece of paper and you get to keep them. No. 
They're sealed, they're done, they're all taped up, and they're shredded beyond belief, and they are gone. What we're going to do as the service ends, this shredder will be out in the lobby. I invite you to take that piece of paper and get rid of the stuff, okay? Or if you're out in the, if you get out through the atrium, there's a shredder in the atrium as well. And just acknowledge that God's cleaned it all up. You don't have to carry it anymore. It doesn't have to frame your life. Turn the new page. Turn the new chapter. Get a blank slate like, like Megan. Let the morning turn to dancing. And let the sin and the arc of the story have a place where the Redeemer takes over fully and completely in Christ's name. Would you stand together, please, and let's pray together. Father God, we pray right now, and Lord, I, I pray, I pray, Lord, if you will, if I may, as the pastor of this congregation, and God, I know hundreds of stories, not only in, in this room, in this service, but I know lots of stories from the people of our church, in places, God, where there's incredibly deep pain from stuff in the past. Lord, I thank you for Megan's courage and just helping us to understand that, hey, all that stuff can be forgiven and there can be a new page and a, a new chapter written that gives glory to the Redeemer, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we're so thankful for those of us who walk with you in Christ. Our sins have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. May that be the experience of all, Lord, today. For those in this room, for those watching via the internet even today, Lord, may everyone know of your great care. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.